give you a well I did it again well good morning it is Tuesday morning and uh, we are in Matthew chapter 5 today <clears throat> we're talking about life another way yesterday we talked about Jesus calling the apostles and we talked about some of the different delineations of apostleship and uh, some of the uh, mandate given and the question of whether some of it was specifically only for those original 12 uh, or if it was inclusive for uh, all of us as well and what aspects. And we concluded, well, preaching is for today, <clears throat> but maybe not for all. It's for those who have been gifted and called. Uh, and also uh, the idea of dealing with the demonic world, we, we are told in Ephesians 6 that we are uh, in a spiritual battle, so 
that in and of itself in the writings of Paul, the epistles where so many want to go for uh, their for the development of their doctrinal understanding. You know, Paul talks about what we do. Peter talks about resisting the devil and he will flee from you. So uh, we certainly have a spiritual conflict that we are in and uh, we have to deal with the demonic world ourselves. And greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. So we lean in on that. And uh, so I, uh, there was a prayer request that came here right in the the midst of the morning or kind of the top of the morning here for Theodore uh, as he prepares for surgery. Uh, and uh, so we do pray for Theodore. Uh, we pray for his parents and his grandparents as well. Uh, anytime there's any surgery, even if it's not vital or organs, if it's something uh, ears or tonsils or anything of that nature, even that, any surgery. So, Lord, we pray that everything goes copacetic and goes well and uh, accomplishes the uh, intended purpose and the outcome is uh, is even better uh, than what would be desired. So we do pray for Theodore this morning together, uh, lifting our prayers together in agreement together. Uh, for the guidance of the hands of the doctors and the medical staff and uh, and for his healing, Lord, and for any anxious hearts that you would calm the nerves and that uh, maybe even people could say, no, I, I had this uncanny calm come over me and that we could say, well, we were praying that that's exactly what would happen and God gave you the calm. So, Lord, that's our prayer today. Uh, and as we get into your word, give us your guidance, give us insight, and then, Lord, as we get into our day, Help us to live out your word in our lives uh, as we seek to follow after you. Be our teacher, be our guide now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, we want to delineate uh, resisting, rebuking. Uh, what I can say is this. Uh, we're told in the book of Jude, uh, let me take you to the book of Jude, uh, and, and I think we can try to begin to split hairs a little too much sometimes on some of these things. Personally, that is my personal take on it. Uh, I, I know where to resist, but let me show you what it says in the book of Jude. We've looked at this before. Let me highlight this. Let me bring this up, and, and just we'll have to scan down through it because I wasn't prepared for this question. Um, down in verse 6, it talks about the angels who do not keep their positions of authority but abandon their own home. These he's kept in darkness, bound everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So many of those uh, angels who fell. Um, so then, then we see this in Jude, is only one chapter, so it's verse 9, says this, but even the archangel... Um, in fact, let me go to verse 8. It says, These dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Um, whether it's us rebuking 
we were rebuking only in whatever authority we've been given in Christ. That's it. If we want to stand against the devil in our own flesh, we will fail every time. We are no match in our own flesh. It is only a right standing, and it is only the name and the power of Jesus legitimately applied within our own lives that we can resist the devil or, in that sense, rebuke the devil. Now, I... I You can form an opinion on this matter, uh, certainly, uh, but we can't go beyond what Scripture says, and, and it doesn't say not to rebuke. It just says that he didn't speak a, a slanderous accusation against him, like, devil, get out of here. That's a rebuke. Uh, that is a rebuke, to tell devil to get out of here, to tell the demons to get out of here. That That's a rebuke. Or to tell them, you know, I'm not going to believe your lies. That's a rebuke, or you're a liar. That's the truth of Scripture being given. We were told that he is a liar. Satan, you're a liar. You're trying to tell me lies. I resist that. Uh, I, I rebuke you in your lies. To, re, to rebuke, what is to rebuke? To rebuke is to tell somebody that they're wrong. Uh, where I would go is I think we have to be careful uh, in speaking slanderously. Uh, that seems to be what Jude says here in Jude one nine and verse uh, and one ten. It's only one chapter in Jude. We've said that already. Said so yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. And what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. You go back to Jude one nine. 1819110 for an answer on the question that is in the comments this morning. Uh, to resist, to resist, you can resist without speaking a word. Uh, to rebuke is then to speak the word. Go back and look at the Gospels as we've done. I mean, Jesus re to rebuke, to tell them to leave. Uh, he not only resisted, he rebuked, he told them to leave. And I think that is a rebuke. And I think we. We should tell the devil and his minions. I hate to use the word minions because I think of those cute little yellow guys. Uh, but but his cohort, uh, his his league, leave us alone. Uh, that's a rebuke. And I personally, I don't see anything wrong with that. Where it gets carried away is we're going to kick you and we're going to do such and such. We need to be careful. I mean, it it it, it certainly seems to inspire or arouses people in a crowd when, when we say things like that. But when we consider Scripture, it, it does say in Jude uh, verse 9 that even the archangel, the highest of the angels, uh, did not b dare bring a slanderous accusation, a slanderous, and, and I, would, I would certainly say that. So, so it... And so, Claire, and I, I think that is a good thing to protect us from the evil one. But then also, when you go to James 5, you go to Peter 5, it talks about resisting and how we need to resist the devil as well. So but just just that we resist, that we stand against, that we're aware of his, uh, of his fight. I mean, so much is said about it. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, particularly about the spiritual battle that we are in, and it's a fat, it's a battle. I mean, just to resist. I mean, we we got to pick up the sword, like I just said. 
There are lies that Satan is going to want to tell you. He's going to want to tell you that you're a failure, that you're no good. Why bother? Might as well end your life. You might as well go away. You might as well go crawl under a rock. You'll never amount to anything. Those are all lies. Now, those could be the lies of the flesh. Those could be the lies of the world. They could be the lies of the devil. And we need to we need to acknowledge those things are lies. And Satan is called the father of lies. So to tell him you are a liar, that's only speaking biblical truth. You're a liar. You're trying to put lies in my mind, Satan. You know, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And we remember, as we talked about yesterday, that I'm going to get back over to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. And and we just need to remember that truth. Um, both the world system in and of itself, as well as the demonic realm, that is all there. And we, we have much to fight against. You think about it. We've got the threefold. We've got, we've got the world and, and all the... Uh, advertisements, that's advertisements for those of you that didn't catch that, uh, all the advertising that is out there beckoning us to all kinds of things that maybe take us away from our walk with the Lord, um, all kinds of things. Uh, and some of them not inherently of themselves bad, uh, except for when we have to place ourselves in a harmful situation because I've got to have that new uh, Dodge, well, they don't make Dodge anymore. I have to have that new Ram 3500 diesel truck and have a $1,200 a month payment, um, you know, because advertising has, has pounded in our mind that you're not anybody if you don't have that particular truck or the new Ford truck or the new, new Chevrolet or the new GMC Denali or whatever. Nothing wrong with having any of those things, not at all. Uh, unless it puts you in a bad spot financially. I, I had people that I knew that went out and, and made decisions like that, and then they could barely breathe because they'd put themselves in such deep debt with automobiles and all the toys and all the trinkets and all the stuff that they could barely breathe. Uh, and uh, so the world, the world fights against us in that way. The world system fights against us, culture, society certainly in America, fighting against the ways of God right now. So there's the world. There's our own flesh, the things we desire in and of ourselves in our own flesh. I mean, those things certainly stand in the way. And uh, and that can be everything from, from diet uh, to our flesh beckoning us to the couch or the recliner when what we really need to do is get up and go for a walk. Um Again, couch is a good thing. Recliner is a good thing. They're not uh, inherently of themselves bad things, except if we need to go get exercise and we hit the couch or the recliner instead of going for that walk. Uh, our flesh, in that sense, beckoning us, go sit in the recliner, go lay on the couch and watch your favorite show and have your favorite chips. So our own flesh, our flesh, it can be relaxation when we need to work out. It can be eating something that we shouldn't eat when we need to eat something that's good for us. It can be our flesh, it can be alcohol related. Again, I am not anti-alcohol. I am anti-drunkenness. And 
Uh, and I think we have to be cautious and cognizant and careful uh, about people around us and not making people stumble into something badly. Um, but but some people, they can't handle that. So it, it could be our flesh and, and, and its desire for alcohol. It could be a desire for too much of this. Coffee. Ah, tasty coffee. <clears throat> too much of that. I mean, to drink a couple pots a day, it might not be good for you. The flesh, the flesh, it could be sexually related. Uh, it could be financially driven that, you know, I, I have to have millions and millions and millions of dollars, which again, there's nothing wrong with that, especially if, if, if God has given you the ability to, to make money, to then invest, sow seed back into the kingdom uh, and the works of the kingdom, the local church or missions like Philippian fellowship, uh, giving to Romania uh, or, uh, supporting a Christian camp or a place like the neighborhood house or uh, something like New England Bible College. I mean, make all the money you can and, and invest it for the kingdom. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but our flesh sometimes tells us if you don't have all these things, then you're just not. So the flesh, foods, sexuality, uh, money, I mean, th those are things that get in the way. Um relaxation when we need, really need to work out. So we have the world, we have the flesh, we have the devil who tells us all of these lies. And he is very slippery in telling us all of these lies. He's able to tell us lies in a way that we don't even maybe recognize that they're lies. And you sit up and pay attention, realize these are the lies that the devil's given me. All that comes from a question, friends. And uh, don't ever be afraid to ask questions I like to try to answer questions. I might not give an answer that you agree with. Uh, I'm going to get do my best to give an answer that I think is is biblical to the best of my ability to the best of my understanding. Uh, you may have been taught something different than than show me, uh, you know. And I think one of the things that I've tried to teach is let's be careful not to make the scripture say something that it doesn't say. On the one hand, but also, you know, when it does speak, we need to sit up and, and pay attention. Let me get us back over to the book of Matthew. We are called to live life uh, another way. Um, Matthew chapter 5. We have looked at the Beatitudes earlier, and we've looked at some of this earlier, but I, I, I'm going to skip over the Beatitudes this morning because we, we studied that not that long ago. But he gets down in, and we, we concluded yesterday with be salt and light. We talked about that and wrapped up our broadcast yesterday with that. Um, then he gets into the law. He says, look, I'm, I'm not here to cancel out the law. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill them. Uh, but I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now the question is, when is everything accomplished? And it says, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. To say, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter that, you know, I mean, here's something that, that is uh, in contemporary culture quite popular, just, just living together. That That's an example of something. 
Um, no big deal. Everybody does it. What's God say? Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, do we practice what we know from Scripture? Uh, and that's where I appreciate Claire's wrestling with with some of these things. What does Scripture say? And, and I mean, she's the one asking the question and the right to wrestle with some of these things I think is a good thing. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean in this? Well, you know what? Our own righteousness cannot, uh, our, our righteousness, we are told in the book of Isaiah, is like filthy rags. What we think is good, the moment we think, oh, I've done a good job, and maybe the little tinge of pride begins to rear its ugly head. Guess what? We've just canceled out our righteousness. Our righteousness comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is perfect God, perfect man, sinless in every way. Our righteousness is found in him. It's called imputed righteousness. It is imputed into us. It is given to, not imputed, imputed. There we go. Imputed righteousness given to us by Christ through faith. In that way, our righteousness will surpass that of the Pharisees uh, and the teachers a lot. Now, he gets down into this idea of anger. Uh, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. Uh, I, I've, I've been having a tough time with this one lately uh, a little bit. Um, there's maybe just a little bit more on my plate than, than ought to be. And some people say, well, you need to give something up. No, I'm not going to give up ministry stuff. I, I just need to know what within the ministries I have I need to say no to. Uh, and what can I do? Because I believe everything that I'm doing is highly important and called of God to do. Uh, it's just sometimes that there are things that, uh, and, and this is something, a lesson for all of us to learn. Uh, there are things we just need to say no to things that have a greater priority and uh, uh, and to know what those things are. When we try to do everything, that's when we go under. And uh, um, so I'm just being honest. You, you can pray for me. This is a very busy time. Uh, we're trying to retrofit a house, uh, lead a school, lead a church. And um, probably it's the, and I enjoy all of those things. Uh, Every everything that I do, uh, probably the hard part is uh, retrofitting the house. I just don't have time to to really do as much as I'd like to do there, and I want to. I want my wife and I to enjoy that. But anger, he deals with anger, and I'm just I'm fessing up to you all, folks. That it's an area where I can feel it rising up, and it's like I'm not with Jesus where I need to be. I need to back off. I need to, you know, and, and I I'm telling I had a meeting with somebody yesterday and I said, uh, you know, I, I, I have to know what, what I need to say no to and, uh, you know, be in the driver's seat a little bit in, in these things and making some of these decisions. This is what he says. You've heard it said to people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to the judgment. And, and I haven't been necessarily angry with a brother as much as just the, the pressure of just too much to do. So any anyone who says to his brother Raka is unanswerable to the Sanhedrin. 
Anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, I'm going to put this over in the message paraphrase for us here in just a moment. It says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to your brother, then come off your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you'll be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Now, I, I just want to say something here. I want to say several things here, actually. Uh, one, one is in verse 23 and 24, Jesus seems to indicate here, don't bother showing up for worship if you've got issues you need to work out with somebody. Now, if if you've tried to work out your issues with somebody and it's really in their court uh, and you and within your heart you've you've done what you could do, um, that's all you can do. But if you sit back smugly and go, I'm not going to go to them because they're such a jerk or they're such a whatever, uh, and, and there's some offense there, and you haven't made an, an honest attempt to work it out, Jesus seems to indicate right here, don't bother to worship. Don't bother to bring your gift. Go work out your issues first, then come offer your gift. Then come to worship. Jesus places a high premium on right relationships. We need to work at having right relationships with other people. So there is there is there's that aspect of things. Another thing that I want to talk about here, I, I just want to mention. It says uh, about going to the officer, folks, uh, Christians. Sometimes we are we are put into a situation where we have to involve the authorities. Here's what happens to me in situations where. Uh, people call the police uh, instead of calling the pastor or the elders. If you're a Christian and you're having an issue, you need to start within the church, not not the police. You need to call the pastor, you need to call the elders, because here's what happens. Police get involved, and I'm not anti-police. I'm just, the system is broken, uh, and this is what happens. You, you call the police in, and then a restraining order is placed, and then we can't work to resolve the issue biblically because the law says you can't. Right now, I'm involved just as a pastor in a situation where I really can't talk to parties about what's going on uh, because I, I've I've watched this other times. All of a sudden, Somebody says, well, you, you guys are communicating between each other and you're going through a friend or, or you're going through the pastor. The pastor's talking to you and the pastor's talking to you and there's a restraining order. It's a legally binding thing and there can't be any contact between the two of you. Therefore, you are in in fault. And uh, so there's there is a current situation right now. And we pray for this uh, dear sister in a situation that she is in. I, I, you know, and man, I can't talk to them much about on either side because of the risk of somebody saying you have a go between, uh, and, and unfortunately, and there are those, uh, perhaps who listen to our, uh, and participate in our, uh, broadcast that would say, yeah, that's true. I mean, 
Sometimes you, you go the legal route, and sometimes you have to go the legal route. There are reasons for that. I just just going to say that without saying too much, and you know who you are. But it just messes everything up uh, initially. If you're a Christian, and there's another place Paul will address in uh, his letters to the Corinthians in the sixth chapter. I don't remember if it's the first Corinthians or second Corinthians, chapter six says, why are you doing lawsuits? Why are you going to the law against each other? You know, you need to you need to go through the church first. We need to learn how to do those types of things. That when there is an issue and you're having a conflict, you you get you need to get the elders involved. And and uh, because we can because we're not the the legal system, uh, we and because we will point you to the truth of Scripture. Uh, we may be able to help you a whole lot more than, than you calling the police ever will. And, and I've seen way too much of that. I, I've seen I've seen more of that in this area that, than I've seen in, in all the other uh, 23 years of my ministry combined. And it, it's just sad to see this type of thing happen. It, it talks in this passage in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26, about settling matters between yourselves. Uh, let me t- show you something else in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, the biblical uh, the biblical prescription uh, if a brother sins against you. I just want you to see this. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. This, this is what we're supposed to do. You go to the person. Just between the two of you, you don't go to 15 other people and say, well, I need to get your advice. What do you think about so-and-so? They did blah, 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 blah. And and I am not without my fault in this regard. Uh, I'm just going to say it. And so I, I find myself convicted that sometimes we want to, you know, get somebody's perspective on our situation. Well, biblically, if we want to handle these situations at the highest level, biblically, we, we just go to the person. Um, and it says this, if he listens to you, if that brother or sister listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So it is the witnesses, the these witnesses that are able to say, um, okay, this is what I just watched the two of you say. And, and, I, and, and why two or uh, one or two others, sometimes two is better than one. And the reason I say that is uh, I have been in the situation where I'm that one person, but so now it is that person's word or that person's word against my word, and I'm the neutral party. If there is a second person, then you can say, wait, two of us uh, observe this situation. I, I think of a situation within the last year where, I, I think the one side says, we, we think that you heard what's going on there, but the other side just basically has put their fingers in their ears, la, 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 going like that, and, and, well, that's just your opinion. Well, wait a minute. This is where, in some instances, the necessity of having one or two witnesses is helpful. Verse 17 says this, if he refuses to listen to the witnesses, uh, then tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to even the church, treat him as you would a pagan or tax collector. I tell you the truth, 
Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you, if if two of you agree on anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. And uh, But the primary, the first few verses here just talks about the protocol. Protocol is one-to-one. Go to that brother. Go to that sister. Try to work it out. If that doesn't work, take a friend along. In a way, I'm going to sneeze here. Just a second. Excuse me. I are back. Um, the protocol that we suggest is one-to-one, then take a witness, and if that doesn't work, then you call the elders of the church, and, and then it talks about making it tell the church. I mean, we would say elders are represent, representative of the church, so you come sit with elders. Elders are to be older, wiser, respected, seasoned people that we can look to. So you bring it to the elders, and, and then sometimes, I mean, church discipline would go far enough to say, you know, brother, you know, sister, you and this other brother and sister have had this issue. It doesn't seem like you really want to work it out. You want to continue to stir the pot. You you want to continue to make issues and to make problems, and you don't want to listen to and respect and submit to authority. Uh, therefore, we're, we are casting you out of the church. Now, some people think no church has the right way. Yes, it does have the has the biblical responsibility. In fact, I can show you in writings of Paul in Titus chapter three, speaking about divisive people. Uh, let me show you what it says in in Titus chapter three, speaking about divisive people. Uh, down at verse ten. In fact, I'll take you to verse 9 first. It says, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law uh, because these are unprofitable and useless. In other words, don't get involved in all kinds of arguments. And we could say about the law, we could say about doctrine. Sometimes we 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 squabble over tertiary things um, that, that maybe are somewhat unclear or somewhat vague in the Scripture. And when the Scripture is gray, we need to stay gray. When it's black and white, we we go black and white. But where it's gray, where it's silent, um, or even in man's interpretation of Scripture, causing them to come to a doctrinal position. I mean, avoiding foolish controversies that that can be one of the areas. D- does does it uh, does does the thing that we're arguing over help stir us toward love? Does it help stir us toward? Uh, living life with one another toward unity, toward toward oneness of heart and mind. It, if it doesn't, then then maybe we need to stay away from it. Now, this is what Paul says in verse ten and eleven. It says, "This is Titus chapter three. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self condemned." So if you got somebody who's who's constantly being divisive, you tell them, look, you're you're being divisive in the body. This isn't healthy. It's not good. You're almost being like a cancer cell. You need to change. Uh, and, and then if they don't, it says after have not, have nothing to do with him. Now, I know this seems harsh, 
but it is the biblical instruction of what we're to do in these situations. All this harkens back to what we had read uh, over in Matthew in the fifth chapter about trying to work out our differences with other people. Jesus puts a premium here in this section, verses 25 through 26, about trying to work out our differences with an adversary. Well, friends, I'm going to stop there today. There, there are several pieces to this, um, you know, life another way. And life another way for us is is life where we learn how to seek to try to get along with other people. That is what we're called to do, uh, and, and to work hard at, at trying to get along with other people. And uh, Jesus puts a premium on that that we need to put on our own lives as well. So, Lord, help us. Help us to live out your word. Where, where we struggle in relationships, we need your help. We need your grace. We need your strength. We need your insight. We need your wisdom. Uh, help us to humble ourselves uh, and to work to live in right relationships with others as much as we are able to do. Lord, give us your help. And we pray. We pray this morning for what is uh happened in Florida with Ian. We pray for what's happening in Ukraine with this ongoing war with Russia. Uh, Lord, for those who are devastated by loss in both of those places, uh, Lord, would you would you hear their, the cries of their heart? Would you bring healing to their hearts? Would you bring aid to their situations? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, hear our prayer. Have a good day, everyone. I will see you again tomorrow.